Hello and welcome to another episode. My name is Brian, host of The Plant Podcast. The Plant is brought to you by Thin Manager Software, the global leader in thin client management and mobility solutions. Thin Manager is a Rockwell automation technology. We're happy to have you back. We got some happy music today because it's going to be a happy episode. In this episode of The Plant, we are joined by Gary Minchel. Gary has led leadership positions in almost every area of manufacturing, including IT, product development, and marketing. Gary has attended Thin Manager events in the past, and he is intimately familiar with how it works and how crucial it can be in a production environment. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Brian Harned, and I'm very excited that today we are joined by Gary Menchel from the Manufacturing Connection. Gary hosts a podcast himself about the factory space and automation globally. He provides a fresh take on trends and news in the industry. Gary has grown amazing insight as he has been part of nearly every aspect of production during his career. Gary, thank you so much for joining me today on The Plant and agreeing to share your thoughts and experiences with not only Thin Manager, but in factory automation. And before we get started with any questions, I wanted you to kind of tell us a little bit about your yourself and, and you know how you got to where you are today in your career and what you're up to. Uh, that's, that's a real leading question for me. <laughs> uh, I often tell people my resume reads like a novel. But um, I got I was in graduate school in studying esoteric things and decided to go back into engineering. And so I, I know now how to build Airstream trailers. A lot of people know what Airstream is. Uh, and on, on top of that, uh, so I, I did various things there. So I've, I've done almost everything in manufacturing. I was in materials management and purchasing. And then I went into engineering and product development and had a bunch of other jobs in, in, in industries where I was product development uh, and uh, got some experience on standards and technical committees for trade associations, uh, which has helped a lot when I get into discussions over ISA and all kinds of other things. And then I became a, a sales engineer for a little while. And interestingly enough for you, I uh, principally sold Rockwell products and crawled around machines and slogged through process plants trying to sell PLC-5s and whatever else was out there. Uh, and eventually all that led to becoming a writer. I, I got a job as an editor uh, of a magazine. It was one of the co-founders of Automation World magazine. And uh, so it gave me a, a broader perspective as I got to talk to, to tons of people. And uh, so, so when you're talking to me, you're talking to like a, an old guy who's been around and thought about this industry for a, a really long time. Yeah, you've kind of had your hands in, in just about everything. It's funny when uh, when I first started with uh, with Thin Manager, uh, one of the things I was doing was kind of help managing our distributors and our integrators. And I had a, a guy who went through our certification process, but uh, to be listed as one of our integrators from United Conveyor, which was funny because uh, my my dad, who has retired, but he was an electrical engineer and he started out with United Conveyor. And so I reached out to them and I was kind of like, hey, a long, long time ago, this guy worked for you guys. And he kind of went through the channels and actually found somebody who was like, just about to retire who actually remembered my dad and um 
And it just goes to show kind of it's it's a huge industry, but still kind of a small industry at the same time. Oh, that's right. It's it's easy to know an awful lot of people and, and we all hang around for a long time, too. So good, good good luck to you as you hang on a long time, I hope. So hey, I'm trying. Yeah, I think uh, what am I five years in now? So I'm I'm I'm, I'm here for the long haul, though. Um so one of the things we had talked about before this is uh, is thin client technology, and and anybody who's listened to our podcast knows that, or knows Thin Manager knows that we talk a lot about thin client technology in the industry and some of the benefits and major advantages over traditional PCs like quick replacement and security and stuff like that. Um, you know, you've been in the industry for a long time, like we were just talking about. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about that transition from traditional PCs to the thin client architecture and kind of where you can see that evolution taking us? It's an, it's an interesting question because I'm part of the generation that brought PCs into manufacturing starting in the probably mid 80s for me. Um, and that was a reaction to, so we were the rebels. Computing before that was centralized with some central thing, and then people got terminals. And if you needed to make any changes or get any updates, going to IT took forever and, and all that sort of thing. So my first introduction to Thin Manager, and I was just trying to remember when I first met Matt and Dave and all the people, and I can't find a record of it in my records, but it was a long time ago. Uh, anyway, I had to be won over because I'm still thinking those old monolithic days where somebody controls a central computer and uh, the, the users don't have any say. And so they won me over because it's it was another whole step forward in technology. PCs, and, and I had some trouble selling PCs. Management would say, can, we'll, we'll buy this PC from you, but can you take solitaire, remember solitaire? Can you take solitaire off so our <laughs> guys don't waste all their time playing solitaire on the computer? And of course it wasn't hooked up to anything. So there was no internet or anything to, for them to waste time buying things, at least at first. But um, so we, we got into the thin manager discussions and I would go down to the Atlanta area and, and talk to the people and, uh, and found out that the new technology beyond just that monolithic, you know, computer off in a closet somewhere, uh, a lot of flexibility for the users um, to, to, to be able to get the power of computing, but yet not with all the problems of maintaining a PC and, and um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And back in those days, it was called the blue screen of death and the thing would die. And there was all kinds of stuff with PCs. They were oh, good, yeah. but they were bad. And uh, so you mentioned in your question things like security and replacement. You can upgrade very easily. You just have to upgrade one place. You don't have to upgrade every place. So it was a good transition, more power than the typical HMI, human machine interface uh, computer out there and in, in many ways. And uh, so, so it was a good transition. And and I followed uh, Thin Manager for a well, a long time now, and uh, it just looks like it, it found its use and its niche and, and very valuable in various kinds of uh, industrial applications. So it yeah. worked out well. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny because the, uh, well, the kind of the feature of just serving up that single application so that you can avoid things like Solitaire and Minesweeper or whatever that game was called, Um 
you know, it's called AppLink and it's like one of the the first but yet most crucial parts of just locking in that station or terminal or whatever into that that one single application. And it's still really the foundation that, that people want to see. And obviously there's tons of more features now and everything as as the product's grown. But I mean, that was the one is to not serve up Windows, to not give them solitaire and, and all this kind of stuff that I think, you know, still holds really strong today. Um, one of the things I wanted to get your your opinion on or your take on, and, and this stems from a conversation I had last week about mobility in general. And I think a lot of people just think about tablets and smartphones when we're talking about mobility. Um, but the, the conversation I had was really kind of beyond that when you're talking about mobility and not necessarily the the mobile tablet per se or smartphone, but to truly be able to let the user be mobile um, and get the right content no matter where they go to allow a user, regardless of the device, to go where they need and get the content that they need and for the job they need, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, with your experience in the industry, what are your thoughts as far as flexibility and visualization in today's environment? And kind of what have you seen recently, I guess, on, you know, in, in that space? Uh, that, that's an interesting take. And I think there's several parts to the question, actually. And I think one, we need to step back and take a look at what has been happening in the plants and, and in factories and some of it is that we're trying not to tie down operators to a spot and they just sit there. And, and a lot of times, uh, and it varies by industry, like water wastewater a long time ago started sending operators around the, the water treatment plant or the sewage treatment plant uh, so that they could actually see things. They could be a, like a first line maintenance and also still do their operator chores but they had a feel for what's going on. And it, it's a little weird because that's the way it was in the old days. In the old days, uh, in, a, in a process plant, especially the operator was out in the field. And then we removed them from sometimes dangerous places and put them in a concrete block building with a computer screen and they sat mm -hmm. there all day. And then they lost a feel for the sights and smells and sounds of the plant and an experienced guy could tell by the sound that a pump is going bad or whatever. Uh, so so we, we took it up a notch in technology. So if we look, first of all, just at that personnel part of it, that we, we management decided that we need to get people out again and seeing the real thing. And But to do that, they still have to be in contact with all their data with their HMI screens, and and we've made a lot of progress, right? I think I know you guys have in, in yeah. ways on serving up the appropriate screen appropriate to the role of the person who needs it. And so we have that kind of flexibility. So now we get the technology merging with a new way of working, and then that's more power so that, uh, and, and despite all the talk about, um, you know, automation replacing jobs, and you can debate that. It sort of does and sort of doesn't. But, sure. uh, but that's not the point. The point is that we have fewer people entering manufacturing, and we need to be able to do more with fewer people, uh, regardless of the cause. And this helps us getting people out. 
So, yeah, so immediately people think about the device. Well, the device doesn't matter. That's the beauty of things like HTML5, for example, that allows you to write a, a web page and display it on whatever form factor. Uh, and, and that becomes important. Maybe I use my phone. Maybe I am carrying some sort of a uh, tablet device. Maybe I just need to stop in at the closest uh, terminal, log in with my, my particular um, login information so that it knows who's there, and then check things out that way. Uh, we're checking all kinds of ways. So it, it needs to be device agnostic in many ways and, and pick me up wherever I am. And that's yeah. the modern way of working, right? That's just exactly what we're doing. So I think it's all coming together if you look at it broadly. Well, so let me ask you, um, you know, we, we're seeing a lot with, uh, I guess, a lot of hype, if you will, and not necessarily just in, in our industry, but virtual reality and, and augmented reality. And have you seen any... I guess I want to get your take on those tools. Have you seen anybody using them really well? And, and kind of do you see those things moving into production uh, in in exciting ways? Uh, that's another interesting thing of things moving forward. I had my first experience with that almost 20 years ago, believe it or not. Uh, and once again, the technology just keeps growing by leaps and bounds and getting better. So, you know, what are we seeing? Uh, first off, let's not get confused. My whole career started way back uh, in the 80s was the ability to go back and make people define things and then make sure we all know what we're talking about. So, you know, we, we don't want to mix up augmented reality and virtual reality. And, uh, and they each have their place. I have seen some things I haven't heard of, of a fantastic amount of uh, use cases yet. Um, I have personally seen a few in, in production plants. Um, so augmented reality has, has this, this great ability that you still see everything around you. You're, you're, you're aware of your environment, but you can, by one technology or another, see an overlay on your eye of something else. Maybe you see data um, about the positioning of a robot or the temperature of a process or something. Uh, or maybe you see um, a, a drawing of the way this device is supposed to look and you can look at it in, in the real world and say, hmm, you know, match up, something's wrong. Uh, right. So, yeah, augmented reality has a lot of, um, uh, of use cases and I've seen people starting to use it to some degree. People are also worried that that, overlay on the eye would be a distraction and it's probably one of those uh, things that people will get used to kind of like the next generation right they'll they'll grow up with some kind of ar and they won't be as distracted as maybe somebody older who's putting the glasses on for the first time or whatever don't know but i, I think that's a possibility um yeah, you know, it's yeah, it's interesting because we've actually, um, uh, what is it, the, the HoloLens, been able to use that along with like QR codes to resolve, say, like a motor schematic to a specific motor, you know, and use that as a location based on the QR code. So somebody can go in and scan that QR code with their HoloLens and get like the schematic to the motor, which has been a, a cool application and people are really impressed by it. But I don't, I don't know if anybody's actually, you know, using that technology. And, you know, virtual reality is kind of another thing 
where honestly, I, I don't know of anybody who's currently using virtual reality, at least not with our product, you know, in, in the production facility. I did see recently that the, uh, was it Oculus and the National Basketball Association have done a, a thing where you can buy an Oculus and watch basketball games as if you're in the first row of a basketball game, like a professional basketball game, which I thought was a pretty cool application to appeal to the masses, you know, for, for virtual reality. But it also kind of got me thinking that if you put these 360 cameras around your production facility, that maybe you could use it as a, um, a way to kind of spectate without being on the floor to watch, you know, whether it be a line or the floor, whatever it may be. Um, that, that could be a practical use case for something like that. Uh, that could be the, the best use cases I've seen so far. And I think they're, they're in some use now um, and will get more use as um, the technology and the uses develop. And that's training. So yeah. you can you can put on so with virtual reality you don't know the environment around you. There's a great TV ad where some woman's upset with her boyfriend or something and is moving out and he's sitting in a room with his virtual reality headset on and doesn't realize till he hears the door slam that she's moved out all the furniture and left him and uh so you could get totally immersed in things. <laughs> yeah, that's a cute. I don't watch very many ads, but anyway, that's a cute one. But uh, but for training, you can. And I've I've been in a number of these. I get demos all the time, and uh, and I haven't seen one in an actual facility yet where they're using it. Um, I, I've heard of them, but anyway, um, you can walk, you can take a, a new operator or maintenance person, walk them through the plant and the literal plant. I mean, the one they're going to be working in and they can see the valves and they can see where you, uh, you, you can get a readout on, on that particular instrument and walk along the pipes and go up the ladders. And, uh, and, uh, and it's more than a play thing. It, it can be you know, appropriately applied, a really powerful learning tool, either for a new employee or for refreshing, uh, you know, current employees just to take them back. And, and maybe you can start to play scenarios like uh, emergency scenarios, like where would you go and where would you turn off some valve, or wh whatever it might be. So I've, I've seen cases like that. And I think you're going to see that very useful for, um, uh, for, for training purposes, I don't know for operator interface, but maybe, um, that, that, that would be interesting, but I think it's also kind of bad because of the idea that with virtual reality, you really don't know the environment around you. You could, for instance, walk into a wall. Right. So. Right. Yeah. But I think you're absolutely correct. I think from a, a training aspect or, or even before you put in a new machine or, or, you know, OEM equipment, if somebody could have that kind of pre-training and use it, you know, as, as a, a precursor before they actually get into the live environment, I think that could be a great, a great use case for it. Yeah. Does it, does it Rockwell have a demo? I'm trying to remember all the demos I've had on at there. <laughs> I, I know the HoloLens is a really cool device, and uh, the last time I got a big demo at Rockwell, I mean, it was even the pinch and zoom to make a uh, uh, to speed up and slow down a motor connected to the drive and so on. And 
Yeah. Yeah, they they definitely do have some different stuff like that and and of course they've partnered with PTC within the last year that that also has uh some stuff for both virtual and augmented to facilitate some of that kind of training stuff too. I've personally never gotten to use it, so maybe at the next automation fair or something I might be able to get away and try to try to do some of that stuff cuz I'd like to see it too. So you so you and I will have an interview and I'll just kind of wander you over to the HoloLens thing and we'll <laughs> There you go. There you go. Absolutely. So well Gary, thank you so much for coming on today, being on the plant and talking to us a little bit. Uh I I appreciate it so much. You've been in this industry for a long time and and I was excited to to get to pick your brain a little bit. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Best of luck. If any of our listeners would like to hear more from Gary, please check out his blog at themanufacturingconnection.com or listen to his podcast anywhere podcasts are available by searching Gary Menchel or Gary on Manufacturing. For more information on Thin Manager, please visit thinmanager.com from any of your devices. I'm your host, Brian Harned, and we look forward to talking to you next time on The Plan.